Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 148. Pico Ballooning, recorded live on Thursday, January 10th, 2019. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Bill Brown, WB8ELK, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, Patrick Stoddard, WD9EWK, Endoff Buckley, N6UTC, and David Akins, N6HHR, were here to talk about operations on the Queen Mary. If you missed the show, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app or YouTube. We also want to welcome our listeners on WTWW, 5085AM. Ham Talk Live rebroadcasts are now on WTWW Shortwave on Saturday nights, along with several other ham radio programs. So thanks to Ted Randall and uh, Holly for getting, uh, and his crew for adding us to the Saturday night ham radio show lineup. And uh, we'll let you know exactly when the time is going to air. They're kind of juggling around some of the shows and some of the times. Uh, I think we were on at 7 o'clock Central last Saturday, uh, and that was our first time on, and, and it just kind of happened. So <laughs> I didn't have any warning. Uh, so uh, we'll figure out the times and get those announced, but uh, we will be on saturday night but we won't be live so you won't be able to call in uh on wtww but uh, we will have the rebroadcast available uh every week over there on 5085 a.m so that's new and then also we've got a new phone system tonight uh i've kind of been telling you that skype was uh on borrowed time and we uh finally lost the capability to merge calls on Monday on Skype. So uh, we've got a new phone system in place, uh, thanks to NN1C. That's uh, Chicken with Fries' new fancy call sign. Uh, Marty, he uh, got us hooked up with some uh, 
some real phone stuff. So we've been working on that all week. And so we just finished it up a few hours ago. So we're going to give it a try tonight. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, we're kind of excited about some of the possibilities uh, uh, for people calling in. We'll, uh, we'll have some more capabilities to, to do some things to to make it a little better. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, thanks to Marty for getting that ready to go, especially uh, today when we were just trying to finish up the last little bit. So we've got it uh, going. At least uh, it worked in the test. So I do have to give you a new phone number to call tonight. Now, next week, we'll have everything back to the old phone number. We're going to move the phone number over to the new system but tonight you'll need to call a different number so i'm going to give you that number right now it's not time to call yet but uh, let me give you the new number it's still area code 812 uh, but the new number is 650-9556 that's 812-650-9556 we'll be using that tonight only just until we get the new system all transferred over uh but if you want to call in during the uh, last segment of the show tonight and uh, ask some questions that's how you'll do it or you can tweet us or at ham talk live on twitter and you can do that whenever you want and i'll go over there and check that from time to time so uh, you can always uh, get us over there on twitter so i'll be back with bill right after this word from icom america right here on ham talk live attention all hams icom knows that ham clubs play a big role in bringing ham communities together to learn from their peers and industry leaders as a way to give back and help you on this mission icom has launched a promotion exclusively for ham clubs and the ham fest they are involved with by registering your club you could win icom swag a skype presentation or for your ham fest an icom booth set up at your ham club register today for your chance to win enter today at www.icomamerica.com slash hams ham fest net registration is open to u.s organizations only you're listening to ham talk live with neil rap yesterday my xyl said she'd leave me if i didn't give up ham radio over Thanks to ICOM for sponsoring the show again tonight. And again, uh, some cool deals out there for ICOM for a couple more months. So make sure you check those out. Visit them at ICOMAmerica.com. Tonight, our guest is Bill Brown, WB8ELK. He lives in Huntsville, Alabama, and is the father of high altitude ballooning. He's launched 500 missions since 1987. Some of those include amateur television, crossband and simplex repeaters, and live camera video downlinks. He's also a managing editor of 73 Magazine and had a ballooning column in CQ VHF for about a decade. And lately, he's been flying a lot of Pico balloons on VHF and HF around the world. And that's what we're going to focus mostly on tonight so bill thanks for being on the show hey great to be here neil 
Well, uh, we heard from you a little bit on uh, the uh, kind of the general ballooning show that we did with Josh here a few weeks ago. And uh, so why don't you tell us how you got started into uh, ballooning, and then we're going to kind of focus in on the Pico balloons. Oh, sure. When I first started in ham radio, I was very interested in uh, amateur television and slow scan television. Uh, but an amateur television is usually in the v- UHF uh, portion of the band, so you're basically line of sight. So antenna height is everything. So I watched a documentary about Joe Kittinger, who parachuted from 102,000 feet with Project Man High back in the 1960s. And at the time, he held the uh, highest parachute jump and actually achieved, uh, broke the sound barrier uh, during his descent. And uh, he described this view of the world, seeing the blackness of space during daylight, seeing the curve of the earth, and it was a view that I wanted to see. However, I wasn't about to uh, go up on a balloon and parachute off from 20 miles above above the earth. So I came up with a, a little safer version and that was to take a weather balloon like they use for uh, the weather viewer uses for uh, uh, atmospheric sounding. And I observed a couple of their launches, and I says, well, you know, I could put a camera and a transmitter and a video system, and I could actually see the view that Joe Kittinger described. So uh, back in 1987, 31 years ago, I launched my first balloon, which was the first balloon to carry a TV camera at the time in the United States and, in fact, the world. So we uh, went up to uh, about eighty or 90,000 feet, and then uh, subsequent flights, uh, we had a live camera, and you could literally see the curvature of the Earth and the blackness of space during broad daylight and because uh, you're above 99% of the Earth's atmosphere. So that's how I got started. I've launched 500 balloons since then, one was a 400-pound rocket we launched from the Gulf of Mexico on uh, a balloon that took 33 tanks of helium. And uh, we were going to try and send the rocket into space and back again. It wouldn't go into orbit, but we were going to break the uh, altitude limit for space. And uh, we didn't achieve that, but we did uh, on a, one of our launches. We did several of those. It was called the HALO Project. Project Halo, and uh, we had live video downlinks coming back from uh, both the gondola and the rocket, and uh, so that's on the mega payload size, 400 pounds and up. And then I decided just a couple of years ago, I witnessed uh, some uh, efforts to actually fly on a party balloon. We're not talking the latex rubber party balloons, but we're talking about a three- foot diameter mylar foil balloon like they use for happy birthday parties. And uh, one of the students in a science camp I was hosting, um, I mentioned the fact that have you ever attached a note to a balloon and let it go and get a response back? And he said he had on one of these mylar balloons and got a response back from a fellow in Canada 400 miles away. And his question to me was, how far and what altitude do you think a balloon like this would go? Just a party balloon. So that prompted me to 
look into building a payload that was lightweight enough to be launched on it'd have to be under under an ounce to be successful there were a couple people at times that have actually had done this Leo Bodnar M0XER and Anthony Wynn down in Australia VK3YT using one single Qualitex silver foil balloon and uh, so I decided to uh, jump at the fray. There's probably about a dozen on these ultra-lightweight Pico payloads. I decided to make one that was rugged, could be handled by students in classrooms, and yet light and weight enough to fly on one of these balloons. So uh, I came up with the Sky Tracker. It weighs 12 grams, ready to fly. It's totally solar-powered. I use flexible uh, power cells on it. Uh, they're uh, made by PowerFilmSolar.com. The marketing manager actually is a ham, and they often have a booth at the Dayton Hamvention. Uh, but they're very rugged. You can uh, have kids play with them, and they aren't going to break. Because uh, when you take them into a classroom, they like to touch the payload and uh, see the experiment. And it's very easy to go into a classroom with one of these systems. Um, it's a great STEM project because all you have need is a little small canister of helium and a $3 party balloon and one of my sky trackers or equivalent. And you don't have to lug this huge... 100-pound tank of helium, and lately the cost of helium has been going sky high, and a big tank of helium is going to cost uh, $150 or more. So I just have one cubic foot of helium in these balloons, and they fly in the jet stream and actually can go around the world in uh, about 11 days to 14 days this time of year if you get the winds just right. So uh, that was my impetus to, uh, to try and find a, uh, something that I could take into classrooms to teach students about space and science and ham radio. And the big draw is if you can show a student that they can follow these Pico balloons on their smartphone in real time, that hooks them into ham radio because uh, you've got to incorporate the smartphones. So uh, uh, we've been, uh, one of my first flights, uh, I used a little bit bigger balloon for that one. It's made out of sushi wrap. And a uh, company in California, who is also a ham, K6RPT and his son, uh, they have a company called scientificballoonsolutions.com. And they sell about a three foot by seven and a half foot plastic uh uh, tube balloon that's uh, made out of the sushi wrap and it's a little more expensive than $3 but it can go up to about 42,000 feet and stay there for months and uh, sometimes over a year uh, on my first one I tried with that balloon with my uh, 12 ounce my 12 gram board went around the world six times, six and a half times in 75 days. So now wow. you've got uh, a low, low, low orbiting, earth orbiting uh, mini satellite on ham radio. 
And uh, during the winter months, like I say, it can take uh, between 11 days and 20 days to go completely around the world if you are above the weather. Uh, I've had students at UC San Diego. They sent one of these up uh, with that same SBS-13 balloon from Scientific Balloon Solutions. And they, uh, they went around the world six times in 90 days. Um, Alan Adamson, W7QO, he's developed his own uh, tracker. He used one of these balloons and went around the world over 30 times. And uh, it stopped transmitting after about a year and a half. But oh, my just goodness. A month or two ago, it came alive for one transmission over Boulder, Colorado. And it was still alive. But something's gone awry with it after being up there for two years. But it was over two years in the air, and it's still flying. So uh, it's amazing what can be done with these Pico balloons. Um, the, uh, like I say, the experimenters are uh, all over the world. Uh, we have several in Europe that are designing payloads, and uh, one in uh, two, one in Canada, one in New York, a couple in New York actually, and. Uh, so we just uh, have a lot of fun introducing students to uh, ham radio this way. And uh, it is an inspiration to them because they uh, they have launched their very own ham radio mini satellite. Um, All right. It doesn't well, go into space, well, but it goes, goes in this and basically right in the jet stream. They learn yeah. about the weather too. Absolutely. That's uh great way to uh, teach all those things and and let them observe a lot of those uh, weather patterns up there uh, almost in into space um, let's talk a little bit about some of the the, um, the differences here you have to you know have fairly light payloads to start with and then on the pico balloons they've they've got to be even less. So what do you do to accommodate the, the difference? What, uh, what, what are you doing to lighten that payload? And do you have to cut back on, you know, a, a, an experiment on board while the transmitters up there? What, what, what do you have to do differently? Well, with a traditional uh, latex weather balloon flight, you're limited to six pounds, uh, maximum per payload and a total of 12 pounds. So you have a lot a lot of room for adding batteries and uh, and uh, something and large experiments. Um, however, in the Pico ballooning, the real challenge is to make it as light as humanly possible. And when you think you've got it about as light as you can possibly get it, you have to make it lighter. So I had to do things like uh, the thickness of the PC board. I actually used a PC board that's about one-third the normal thickness. I found a, a PC board company in China that would produce these for no extra charge, and uh, that really helped. That cut down a lot of weight. Uh, the other thing I did was, instead of a battery on it, uh, it's totally solar-powered. There are no batteries at all. Uh, that cuts down on the weight because batteries are even a small lithium polymer battery is extremely heavy uh, when you're working with something that weighs 12 grams. Uh, the lightest uh, LiPo battery I could find was 4 grams, and I have flown that 
where it's rechargeable by the uh, solar panels. But the heavier your payload, the lower your float altitude, and you are at greater risk of hitting a storm. So if you're down around 23 to 26,000 feet, your likelihood of hitting a hitting weather and getting knocked out of the sky at some point during the flight is much greater than flying at 42,000 feet, where you're above 95% of the storms. So uh, that's your biggest, the thing that will uh, cause your mission to fail is, is usually hitting a thunderstorm or an ice storm or some sort of weather that that reaches up into that uh, altitude that you're flying. So uh, this time of year, uh, your biggest uh, threat would be icing up. Um, but it's, if you get above about uh, twenty nine or 30,000 feet, you are uh, going at least halfway around the world. There was a group uh, that just launched today, in fact, from uh, Pella, Iowa. Um, the call sign on that one is Whiskey Bravo Zero, United Radio Whiskey Dash Four. And um, I'll give you two websites that, of course, those of you who uh, have experimented with APRS, APRS.fi is the go-to website for tracking vehicles and planes and balloons. So you would enter WB0URW-4 into the call sign field, and you can see the track of today's flight. Of course, it ended over uh, Indiana. It was launched from Iowa uh, because the sun went down. So we'll have to wait until tomorrow to uh, see where it is. Um, it may actually be too far out in the Atlantic to hit any ground stations because it's uh, two-meter APRS on that one. Uh, the last one they did was WB0URW-3, and if you search for that one, you'll see its last report. Keep in mind, it was launched from uh, Pella, Iowa, uh, from a school there. It actually went halfway around the world, and the last report we got from it was over eastern China. And then it headed out in the Pacific Ocean and likely hit some bad storms out there and came down. So, But it was well on its way around the world. So um, those are two flights that have been very recent, and uh, you can actually search for that. There is another website that is dedicated to high-altitude balloons, both the small Pico balloons and the normal larger uh, weather balloons. And that is uh, tracker.habhub, and I'll spell that out, Hotel Alpha Bravo, Hotel United Bravo, dot org. And that one, if you go to that website, you will see all the balloons flying worldwide, both northern and southern hemisphere. And uh, it's a fascinating website to watch as balloons pop up from different places and you can follow the, uh, the flights. If it's just uh, going up and then comes right back down, it's normally a regular uh, weather balloon flight. But if it's a flat line at it, in the jet stream, then you'll know it's a Pico balloon, most likely. So those are my two go-to flight uh, websites for watching um, balloon flights. And um, and so that's what I have the classrooms. So when I go into a classroom, we, we show them those websites so they can track them on their smartphones in real time. Yeah, the yeah, nice thing about move. APRS is you have ground stations worldwide. 
So, um, and they all link to the Google map so they can track it. There is, however, something you had to consider when you fly an APRS uh, balloon worldwide. Uh, the frequency we use here in the United States for our national APRS network is 144.390 megahertz. That's not the case worldwide. Europe is 144.800. Uh, China is 144.64. And Japan is 144.66. And there's a few other frequencies. So uh, what I have to do is design an algorithm in my code. And by the way, the processor I use is the same that's used on the original Arduino boards, for those of you who have programmed an Arduino. It's all written in C using the Arduino developing um, system, IDE. And so uh, I wrote a, um, a friend of mine wrote a geofencing uh, program that I incorporated in that. Um, Mike KD2EAT and Alan W7QO came up with an integer based version of a uh, of a um, geofencing algorithm which so we basically draw a box around the uh, the regions where we want the frequency to shift to their national APRS network and there's also three um, at least three countries that you have to you can't transmit over uh, I'll give you one of them Yemen see if you can figure out what one of the other ones is <laughs> uh, I'm guessing North Korea. That's right. We don't want to start <laughs> World War III. But believe it or not, Great Britain is one of the forbidden countries because they do not allow airborne amateur radio in in the United Kingdom. And I don't know the reasoning behind that, but they can't fly ham radio in an airplane, a balloon. Or a kite. Anything yeah. that flies. Wow. So I have to draw a box around the United Kingdom and make sure my transmitter goes off when it goes across to the United Kingdom as well. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, we are uh, overdue for a break here, so we're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk to Bill. We'll give you a chance to uh, call in. We've already got several tweets here. Uh, with some questions, so we'll take care of uh, as many of those as we can. Maybe uh, we can pick up here uh, on uh, some resources to, to fly these balloons as well when we come back. So uh, we'll be back with Bill right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Thank you for a lovely dinner. Aren't you going to ask me in to solder some PL259s? Well, I do have some from Tower Electronics. How can I refuse? Consider the sophisticated quality of PL259s from Tower Electronics. From soldering supplies to adapters, connectors to cables, and all types of connectors, Tower Electronics has the parts you're looking for. Well? Just one more connector? You know I love your PL259s. Then by all means, take some with you. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com or call 920-435-2973. They also have ham sticks, mobile antennas, and meters, too. See the whole catalog. Go to pl-259.com. Tower Electronics, the ham's dime store since 1978. Join the conversation. 
give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Thanks to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for bringing you Ham Talk Live. Been seeing pictures of Scott running around Disney World down there. He's down there ready for Fort Myers, Florida on January 18th and 19th. He'll be at the Ham Fest there. And then uh, I believe Jill will be over at St. Charles, Illinois on January 19th. And then January 26th, Collinsville, Illinois and Arcadia, Florida. But you can visit them anytime at pl-259.com. Well, Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at hamtalklive.com. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, it's time for your phone calls now. So if you have a question for Bill, call 920-650-650. Nine five five six. Now that's a different phone number than usual. It's just for tonight. Eight one two six five zero nine five five six. We'll be back to our usual eight one two net ham one number next week. But uh, you can tweet us. We've got several tweets lined up here that we'll get to here momentarily. And if you're listening to the rebroadcast on WTWW or on one of the podcast apps, uh, you're not going to get anybody if you call in. So uh, this show's already happened and it's already in the past. So uh, you'll have to listen to hamtalklive.com if you want to call in live so uh, nobody's home um, if you're calling the phone number um, not on Thursday night here while we're live on the show so uh, let me bring Bill back in here and uh, we've got several questions but uh, one thing we wanted to get uh, to before the break was um, some resources you know what exactly are you going to need if you want to fly one of these balloons besides just your your plain old party balloon well um you could make your own payload up uh, using like an arduino mini board uh, you can get a uh, u-box board from upu uh tronics in great britain and uh but you'd have to come up with a little transmitter board as well um, I went ahead and uh, developed it as an all-in-one package, uh, ready to fly. And so, if anybody's interested, then um, I, I make these available to those who want to fly Pico balloons without having to design their own. Um, you can email me at w whiskey bravo eight echo lima kilo. That's w b eight e l k at gmail dot com, and I'll give you the particulars on that. Um, as far as other resources go, um, the uh, balloon, the Mylar balloons, you have to buy a Qualitex brand, um, Balloon Direct, Balloons Direct, or BalloonsFast.com. You want to search for a 36-inch round silver Mylar balloon. Um, helium. Uh, I use those party time tanks, balloon time tanks you can get at the dollar store or Walmart. 
But keep in mind, if you do so, they're 80% pure helium. So you will fly a couple thousand feet lower than if you used pure helium. And uh, you can actually fly hydrogen in these, and you'll go about 3,000 feet higher, and they will last longer. Um, I actually am able to get a small tank of helium or hydrogen, about a 40-cubic-foot tank, cost about 20 or $30 from uh, a welding supply store, and uh, they're very lightweight. A single person can carry them around. Um, you want to have a way of uh, regulating that uh, with a party balloon filler and a hose and uh, to fill up your party balloon, however. And then the scientificballoonsolutions.com is another resource for the larger balloons, uh, and uh, but they're a lot more expensive than $3 a piece for the uh, Mylar balloons. Um, other resources, uh, like I say, the... Uh, you could go into um, a grocery store or a Dollar General store, um, and you could have them fill up your Mylar party balloon. And I think my local store here would do it for a dollar or two. And that's usually pure helium or good quality helium at these stores. Some aren't, some are, but uh, I know the one here turned out to be about 99% pure. And that's one way of doing it because these balloons are small enough to carry in a car. Uh, don't carry them in your car if you're uh, running hydrogen, however. <laughs> yeah, that may be, uh, that may be, a but I, I usually, I use fishing line, uh, for the, uh, support mechanism to, to attach it to the balloon. And, uh, and I use, uh, um, Kapton tape. That's a great tape to use because it handles the environment very well. Um, and I put all the, the string and everything into the packages I mail out. And and uh, then all you have to do is buy a $3 balloon and uh, find healings from somewhere. And that's, that's what uh, I would recommend. Uh, there are online resources that tell you where your balloon is going to fly. There's a uh, NOAA high split. It's H-Y-S-P-L-I-T. And they have a trajectory program that will estimate where your balloon will fly uh, so you get an idea of what the jet stream is doing. And, All um, right. Uh, we've got a call here, and we've got several tweets and stuff. So uh, let, I just want to let him know we're, we're here. You got anything else you need to throw in on that list real quick? Uh, no, I'll, I'll stand by for the call. Okay, let's take our live caller here since we've got the, the new phone system. We're, we're, we're testing it out. I told Bill he was going to be the guinea pig tonight. So who do we have on the phone line here? This is Mark, N4BCD, Neil. Hi, Mark. Good to hear from you down in Huntsville. What's going on tonight? Well, I just wanted to wish you and Bill a happy new year. Uh, Bill, it's, uh, I knew you were going to be on the program. I, I keep track of these things. But, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to, to – uh, Bill's a local ham here in the Huntsville area, and I've known him for a number of years. I've seen his program here in Huntsville and in Dayton. Uh, Bill, could you describe to the listeners uh, the weight uh, lift testing you do uh, prior to a launch to ensure that uh, these Mylar balloons successfully reach altitude uh, and not go too high and not sink? Oh, that's an excellent question, Mark. And, uh, by the way, Mark and I share a last name, but we're not related um, 
the uh, way I test them is uh, through a lot of trial and error and dumping a lot of these in the Atlantic Ocean and scattered across the southeast. I've done about 50 test flights. Um, I've optimized the lift to anywhere between 2.5 grams to 4 grams on the neck of the balloon. That's positive lift above the weight of your uh, payload. And the way I test that is uh, a nickel weighs 5 grams and a penny weighs 2.5 grams. So if it just barely lifts a penny and a nickel causes it to go down, then uh, I know I'm near the right lift. But I usually create a little baggie with a clip with the right amount of weight, which is the payload weight, plus three grams. Three grams is optimum. And I attach that to the neck of the balloon, and when that is neutrally buoyant, it's not going up or down with that baggie attached, I know I've got the weight of the payload plus three grams, and I found that is the optimum lift to prevent it from bursting when it goes to altitude and to allow it to float instead. That is a great question, Mark. That's it's a great thing to to see in person, guys. And uh, uh, Bill, uh, Bill, are you going to Dayton again? Oh yes, uh, we're going to have a balloon uh, sat forum on Friday, and we're going to have a Pico balloon race with three Pico balloons. Uh, so uh, all are welcome if you can attend the uh, Dayton Hamvention. I, I can attest to uh, to your listeners too. It, it's well worth seeing because uh, Bill's got Bill's on a really excellent topic here. And uh, I don't, I can't imagine anybody that knows more about the subject. And uh, looking forward to seeing you up there, Bill. And uh, Neil, thanks for having me on the show tonight. Uh, we'll talk uh, soon about the Huntsville Ham Fest. Okay. All right, Mark. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. And seven uh, three. Okay. Happy New Year. Bye bye. All right. Happy New Year. Eight one two six five zero nine five five six is tonight's phone number. It's not our usual one, but. Uh, We've got that. Let's uh, start knocking out some of these uh, messages here. Uh, first of all, uh, Hank is on Spreaker, W4HTB, says, how many trackers do you think have been launched to date? And when are you going to produce a YouTube video instruction? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, as far as uh, Pico balloons launched, there's probably been, um, I would guess, uh, over a hundred of them worldwide by different people. Um, so I've personally done about 40 launches myself, uh, Pico balloons. And, uh, I'm working on that YouTube video instructional video. All right. Very good. Well, let's see here. Make sure everything's working here. Um, Blake in for BWR wants to know what's the ascent rate on a Mylar Pico balloon with the Sky Tracker? Uh, good question. Uh, to achieve success, you want to be right around one meter per second or less ascent rate. Um, if you're under a meter per second, which is approximately 200 feet per minute or less, uh, then you are likely to have success at floating a Pico balloon. If you go much over that, um, the balloon will likely overpressure and pop when it gets to altitude because you'll have a little bit too much excess gas in it and that will pop the seams or cause it to burst. But that's a good question. All right. Let me 
get to another question here. Um, KC5FM says, is it helium hard to get? Is it expensive? I think you answered uh, some of that, but we can we can address that real quickly. Uh, yes, uh, it depends where you get it from. Um, the major companies uh, are sometimes restrict helium sales to existing customers or large customers, and they won't even sell it to uh, private individuals. Or they will um, jack the rate of the the cost of the helium tank to uh, $150, $200 or more. Right now, I think... Uh, it's right around $150 for a large tank. And uh, like I say, I get these smaller tanks for about $20 or $30, which a 40-cubic-foot tank is all you need to do a number of these Pico balloon flights. And once again, it's very easy to lift by one person. So um, it's not so hard to get in small quantities, but the larger tanks are harder to get. A lot of uh, amateur radio balloon groups are going to hydrogen because a t- big tank of hydrogen is $55 or less. And uh, as long as you follow uh, precautions not to create sparks, uh, it's perfectly safe. All right. And then um, Josh W3ARD, who was on our, our balloon show a few weeks ago, uh, has a couple of questions here. Are there any issues with a U.S. issued ham radio license IDing all over the globe? Uh, do you have to have a different license? And then we'll we'll follow up with another one here. Uh, it depends on the countries you're flying over. Uh, we have reciprocal agreements with many European nations. Uh, but if there is a question, um, that's where the geofencing algorithm can come in to eliminate transmissions above that country. Um, I haven't had any issues or complaints with flights that we've done, um, but uh, generally uh, it hasn't been an issue uh, to date. Okay, and then Josh's other question, um, any issues with uncontrolled balloons drifting over non-friendly countries like uh, Libya or, or North Korea? Uh, once again, when I'm over an unfriendly country such as that, I do not transmit, and the chances of them actually detecting that balloon are probably pretty slim. Most uh, most radar systems uh, filter out anything that's slow-moving um, or not behaving like an aircraft. So, uh, although some of these Pico balloons in the jet stream, I have seen, observed going 200 miles per hour just floating along in the jet stream. Next question is from Jim, K5ND from K2BSA. Uh, we plan to work with Bill to launch three Pico balloons at the World Scout Jamboree in West Virginia in July. And um, it'll have APRS and Whisper. And he wants to know if you could talk a little bit about Whisper. Yes, um, I uh, have a version that transmits on the whisper mode, and instead of guitar string for the antenna wires, which is what I use for the two-meter version, I use 36-gauge magnet wire and fishing line. And it's 17 feet 1 inch up and 17 feet inch down, so it's a little trickier to launch. uh, But the advantage is, um, on whisper mode, you can send a very low-power transmitter and be received worldwide. Um, And it has a distributed network of ground stations that filter into whispernet.org. 
So uh, I've actually had a balloon over the middle of the Atlantic, and the telemetry was received on the opposite side of the world in Perth, Australia, uh, with 25 milliwatts of power. Um, that's the beauty of Whisper mode. Um, however, Whisper has a drawback in that you can't, it's very limited in the amount of uh, telemetry information you can send. It's basically a call sign, four-digit grid, and a power level. So I, I send two transmissions. One has the call sign and the grid square, and I use the power level for a course altitude. And then I send a second transmission that begins with a zero, one, or Q, which are invalid call signs. But since it's right after my transmission on the same frequency, it's technically uh, IDing every 10 minutes. So uh, I embed the telemetry in that call sign, and that includes the fifth and sixth digit grid square and then a fine altitude for the power level. And that way, I have a Python script that grabs both frames from whispernet.org's database, converts it to APRS, sends it to an APRS server, and it shows up. If you ever see an APRS balloon over the middle of the Pacific or the Atlantic, that's how it's being done. It's uh, a little Python script is grabbing the Whisper data. Uh, we just had one that the balloon failed. It was launched from a high school in San Diego, W6SUN-5. And you'll still see it if you look for Whiskey6Sun-5. It was laying in the uh, Mojave Desert. The wires were on the ground in the sand. And it was being received every day from a 1,000 miles away in Texas and Oregon and San Francisco and telling us within a three-by-five-mile range where it was. Several expeditions went in in the sand to try and find it, and finally Mark, W6MAF, drove his Jeep until he got a very strong 20-meter signal, saw the balloon, started reeling in the uh, magnet wire, and to, much to his horror, he discovered that the payload was sitting underneath his tire. <laughs> oh, no! But fortunately, it was just on the solar panel, so he just slightly damaged the solar panel. If he'd been over six inches, he would have completely destroyed the tracker. But he said the signal was very, very strong at that point. <laughs> I imagine so. Oh, my goodness. So wow, he found a very cool. small needle in a very large haystack in the Mojave Desert. <laughs> Oh, my. Well, we've got a couple more here from uh, Lloyd KC5FM, and I think you answered the first one already about how heavy the uh, Pico balloon load can be. Uh, but uh, he says, regarding payload retrieval, uh, what's your record distance for the return, and how many missions get retrieved, and how many are are, are lost in the haystack? Well, I have one that's sitting in a tree in the Ivory Coast of Africa. If you want to go out after it, I'll give you the coordinates. Uh, <laughs> it was knocked down by a thunderstorm after going around six and a half times around the world. Uh, we had one um, that landed in um, a uh, cornfield in Illinois, and uh, Mark, KA9SZX, went out and he DF'd it. Uh, with signal strength, because he didn't have an APRS uh, receiver. 
And uh, he was able to find it out in the middle of a field. And that was launched from, uh, well, that was launched in that area. But the farthest, I'll tell you a story about a latex floater. You can float a latex weather balloon as long as your payload's under two and a half pounds and you go up under 200 feet per minute. It will float for about 50 hours or so or less. Then finally the UV degrades the latex rubber. But uh, K6RPT launched one from San Francisco, San Jose, stayed up 50 hours. It landed in Morocco. He, uh, a friend of his who lived in Casablanca, drove out there with two of his friends that could speak the language. They asked the date farm near where they saw the last reading if they'd anybody had seen it. They did. They found two date farm workers that had found it. And they spent a couple hours negotiating a price to get it back because in that country, possession is 100% of ownership. But they were able to negotiate a a fee and they got the payload back after flying from San Francisco area to Morocco. Very interesting. Well, it looks like we are just uh, a little over time, actually, so we probably should wrap things up here, uh, Bill. But uh, if you have any last um, um, comments and a website where people can check out some of your stuff, uh, why don't we do that? And then we're going to close it down for tonight. Yes, uh, you can uh, contact me, and I can send you some links. Um for Pico ballooning and regular ballooning um, and send out some information of resources. Uh, my email is whiskeybravo8 echo lima kilo that's wb8elk at gmail.com or you can look at my website on wb8elk.com All and right. thank you for having me tonight. Oh, well, thank you for coming on and uh, giving us some uh, more information about these uh, Pico balloons. That's uh, one of the newer things uh, happening with the balloon flight, so it was good to hear about that. That is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guest, Bill Brown, WB8ELK, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and calling in and invite you back next Thursday night, and we'll, we'll be back at our regular phone number uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern time when Victor and Dorsoff, uh, VA2WA, Randy Thompson, K5ZD, and Bruce Horn, WA7BNM, will be here to talk about live online contest scoring. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit hamtalklive.com. And if you like Ham Talk Live, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It helps others find us factor faster. And again, thanks to uh, people listening to the replay on WTWW 5085 on Saturday nights. That's new. So uh, thank you to uh, Ted and the gang for getting that set up. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours. Don't, 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 don't,